welcome back to the Thrive Subscribe podcast. Uh, it's really hard to believe, but we are really at the end of the almost the first full month of 2020, and it seems like just yesterday we kicked off the year with the podcast. Um, you know, 2020 for uh, Randy and myself uh, has been a very, very um, eventful year already. I mean, just a few things that have happened uh, to us over the last uh, you know 28 or so days. Uh, we've had to replace two technicians. We had to leave and had to rehire two technicians. Uh, we had a break-in at one of our stores uh, overnight at 4 a.m., so I got that early morning call and had to drive out to meet the sheriff. Uh, we had a driver get bit by a dog and uh, have an infection in his hand and uh, end up being out of out of uh, work for probably now six weeks. We're guessing he's going to be out uh, due to uh, an infection he developed and had had surgery. Uh, and the like every year with Medicare Part D, we've lost several patients because they weren't paying attention uh, to you know what plan they signed up to and what pharmacies were uh, uh, were included, and so we've ended up you know saying goodbye to some patients. Uh, I will say we've also gained a few back that we had the same thing happen to last year, but overall it's very easy to get caught up in a lot of the negative day to day. Uh, things that happen as a business owner and a pharmacy owner. Uh, and it's really important to recognize that not everything is negative and you need to look at the positives out there. Uh, in fact, we've had one very positive thing for the professional pharmacy happen this year already. Uh, the U.S. Supreme Court has agreed to hear uh, the case uh, brought to it uh, from the uh, state of Arkansas, uh, where they're challenging the PBM uh, assertion that the ERISA laws apply to them and that states cannot uh, regulate the pharmacy benefit manager industry. Uh, and not only did the Supreme Court agree to hear that, but the Solicitor General of the U.S. Uh, was responsible, at least in part, in arguing that they should listen to it. And they, he also uh, stated that he believes that the Supreme Court should uh, actually uh, agree with pharmacy and, and uh, not allow PBMs to hide behind ERISA. So there's been some positives as well, and that actually, as we anticipate, will be heard by the court uh, within the next uh, you know, few months here. Uh, and whatever that uh, result, it will be very important to pharmacy. Uh, it's going to depend a little bit, of course, on, on whether that's a, a very narrow ruling or a more broad and sweeping ruling. And it's really hard to predict what that's going to be at this point. So we got to focus on positives. And, and last week, Randy and Kelly were in a discussion about, you know, pharmacy and the good things that are happening and some of the things that uh, bring, uh, should bring a sense of hope to pharmacists and pharmacy uh, managers and owners around the country and in, in, uh, in around the world. So let's pick up where we left off and uh, continue that conversation with uh, Randy and Kelly. Like a small boat on the ocean Sending big waves into motion Like how a single word can make a heart open I might only have one match Well, and you're also now my, not only a co-owner, but also my director of clinical operations. And that was something you assumed for me when I brought you on. And my job became more about looking at new opportunities, bring those opportunities. But then if I bring you the opportunity, you're the one who actually has to implement it. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, so now the question I have for you is people prepare is, 
because you, you mentioned about being ready for any opportunity that comes your way. And that's been mm -hmm. something that I preached. That's why you need to have the therapeutic knowledge base, always be moving your practice towards the future, even though that future may not exist today, it will and mm -hmm. getting your practice ready. So let's talk about that because you talked about having the staff, you know, changing their expectations, but how, how does a pharmacist prepare themselves for something like enhanced MTM with a payer who's paying you, you know, a much different way of paying, but also giving you a large number of patients to manage. Then you talked about the, the value-based pharmacy program with, you know, one of our biggest payers in the state where between our two pharmacies, we got 900 patients. That changes the whole business model right. uh, for us. So what, but we want to be successful because you careful what you ask for, you just might get it. <laughs> so what do you, from, a, from an implementation perspective, what do pharmacists have to be ready to do and, and start implementing these type of uh, opportunities? So for us, I think I think what has allowed us to successfully manage a lot of these opportunities is a very robust MedSync program. I mean, our our MedSync program has over 900 patients involved in it in some capacity. I I strongly believe that's helped us to manage it. When I when I haven't the ability to kind of predict when people are going to come in to pick up their medications or their medications are going to be delivered to them, I can piggyback that with the service that they're due for. And not only that, patients are generally expecting it. Um, I think that also helps you to manage your time and to adjust your, your staffing. And, you know, if you know that you've got, um, you're going to be able to utilize technician product verification in your dispensing area on Thursday afternoons, that might be the opportune time to put uh, your enhanced MTM appointments during that day. Because um, you, it does take more time to do those appointments. And you certainly, it, it would be, I've done them on the run. I've done them when I'm on the counter. Uh, it's a challenge to try to do them on the run. So if you have the ability for patients to schedule those and to kind of have an idea when they're coming in, it certainly makes it a little bit easier to incorporate it into your workflow during the day. So that would be for more of the enhanced services. With our Wellmark value-based uh, program, uh, you know, those, those patients are identified within PharmClin. And all of our patients, all of our pharmacists have the the mindset and the uh, resources available to them in the dispensing area to to be cognizant of some of those targeted interventions. So whether they're enrolled in MedSync or not, they're identified within our dispensing software as um, a Wellmark patient. And if it's an adherence. Uh, thing that we're going to address, if it's a statin intensity, if it's an inhaler training. Um, we've got a number of resources right there for our pharmacists to pull and to put right in the will call bag so that patient gets their, um, gets some additional counseling and some additional uh, coaching when they do come in. So we've tried to have some very streamlined ways to do some of those quick interventions, as well as some of those more enhanced services that take a, a more significant amount of time. And by by kind of piggybacking some of those on the MedSync program, you know, not thankfully, not everyone is due for their MedSync on the first of the month. You know, they're due sometime within a 30-day or a 90-day period. It's allowed us to stagger that workflow. So our um, approximately 60 uh, enhanced MTM patients that we might be working with uh, during the year, we're able to to stagger that workflow and do, you know, two to six a week uh, to to just kind of budget it like that. And that's that's kind of how I've we've coached our all of our pharmacists is 
Um, let's make sure that we're, you know, reaching out to X number of patients this week to do a PHQ-9 and this number of patients to do an inhaler training program. And, and that inhaler training is something that we just added within the last couple months. And that was kind of a quick intervention pilot that we did through APHA. But it was so interesting, the value that our patients found with that, because that was, um, it I actually was allowing us to reach some other patients that aren't within MedSync, or maybe they aren't in any enhanced services. So it was allowing us an opportunity to interact with a new group of, of patients in a quick counseling time and to really touch on how they're using it, how frequently they're using it. Do they know how to care for their inhaler? Are they achieving their goals of asthma or COPD therapy? And that was a real quick project that one of our rotation students worked with our resident to incorporate into our practice. And we've just found tremendous value with that, uncovering drug therapy problems, but also, again, as I mentioned, you're changing the expectation that the patient has of your pharmacy. And you want them to recognize you as a healthcare provider, a clinical interventionist, a resource. And so, again, it just... It's another means to ensure that that method of communication is open and there's always ongoing dialogue with your patients about their care. And every time after, in that case with those inhaler trainings, every time after a note or an intervention happened, a SOAP note was prepared and sent directly to the physician. So whether there was specific drug therapy concerns or recommendations made, that, inhaler, that physician was aware that we did an inhaler training and that these were the symptoms or the usage that the patient reported just to continue that dialogue. Yeah, you bring up some good points and I wanted to kind of reemphasize them. One, you did use the term FarmClin. I just want everybody to understand who's the listeners that FarmClin is our documentation system that we created, um, but it does uh, integrate within our pharmacy management system. So we're able to go just toggling between keys we can go back and forth and and be able to do what we have to do from a, a product verification, whether it be the pharmacist or technician, but then the pharmacist can go right into the, the clinical review of the patient using PharmClin, and that's where we do all our interventions. And you also talked about you know, how we have be able to use the MedSync as a way for us to improve our efficiencies and use the appointment-based model to bring patients in to do reviews and, and do workups of medications. And that's an addition too, and I want people to understand. We're I've got we've got a large staff, right? We between our two pharmacies, we have 32, 33, soon to be 34 employees, and it, so we have a large staff. And boy, if you came into our practice, no one's standing around. Everybody's very busy yeah. with the things that they're doing because we're doing not just those things, but just all the care we're providing on a regular basis for our patients. We've been able to take the knowledge of our patients and looking at certain factors. And then we were able to develop a score, and that score is able to tier patients. So we know who needs that more targeted intervention versus who needs the case management or who just needs just the regular, what we call calm or continuous medication monitoring, where we're just making sure the patient is okay with the medications and not experiencing a drug therapy problem. So we'll be able to use that information and saying, you know, we've got patients who are considered low risk, medium risk, and high risk. We've also been able to apply that same type of concept to those patients that are part of the value-based pharmacy program for which we've got 900 between our two practices. Well, you got to manage those patients in a, in a certain way by putting them in these tiers. Um, you're able to quickly assess where they're at, what's the complexity of the patient, what 
kind of intervention should I be providing for them so you can be more efficient with your time um, with that patient. But the other thing you talked about is the um, providers, and I want to touch upon that a little bit too. You know, we do make regular interventions that we send to providers. And I'll use the story back in the day when you were my resident, and mm -hmm. it was during the time when we were actually implementing a new program, and back then it was called Pharmaceutical Case Management, or PCM, and that's where Medicaid, Iowa Medicaid, was paying both pharmacists and physicians to manage a high-risk group of patients. And I still remember to this day that as we started doing workups of patients, sending clinical notes to the physician or to the prescribers and getting a zero response rate. And you know, as you know, I always kind of relook at things and, and rethink it and saying, what are we doing wrong? Well, a couple of things we learned is, one, we got to have more succinct notes because if you have anything much more in a page, that page would be the, the note that we send to the doctor with our clinical recommendations. And then we always attach an updated medication list, which we really believe is important for them to see that. But if you got multiple pages of notes to go along with the medication list, most likely they're not going to read it. So how do we become more succinct? But we also made a decision that really, as we provide these clinical recommendations, whether or not the physicians or the prescribers felt like they needed this information, at the end of the day, we believed it was what was best for the patient. And we believe that us monitoring the patient to identify these problems that we're seeing on our end well, can have a positive impact in providing that information. So we just stayed consistent. We were persistent and consistent sending out those recommendations. And then after six months, we saw we started getting a little blip of activity where some physicians started responding to us. And then after a full year, we saw that go up to about 80%. And to this day, Kelly, I would say, you know, we've studied this at Towncrest, but I would say without us even looking at the last five years, our study, as far as the uh, response rate, we probably get a 90% response rate in a real-time fashion as, as when we send these clinical recommendations, we do get the response back and they Absolutely. actually have, you know, signed off on recommendations that we've made. Yep. So what, what do you think pharmacists, when we make these clinical recommendations, how should we make them and, and what does it look like so that pharmacists who are listening out there are saying, okay, I can do that. So what kind of advice would you give them as far as when you start making these clinical interventions? What's the best process to use working with other providers? Um, you know, I think as I was just very recently talking with our student about um, and reviewing one of the recommendations that she had prepared, and I and then I had to remind her, you know, the provider is not in your head. So all this information and all this conversation that you're having in your head that causes you to believe that we should attempt a dosage reduction in their oxybutynin, you, you need to articulate that. And so I always say, you know, that's why it's a soap note format. You're presenting all that subjective and objective information that the patient reports or the caregiver reports. And, you know, um, some of the, so for us, I think of, in particular, like high-risk medications. When we're talking, when I'm preparing a note to send to a physician about um, a patient, an, an older patient that's continuing to use paroxetine, and in talking with them, they've reported some side effects. Um, they've talked about dry mouth. They've talked about, you know, any mood symptoms that they've reported. Um, we put that in our note. And then when I get down to the assessment and the plan, um, we're just, we're stating the case, you know, given concerns that this patient is having some adverse effects, uh, given that this is not recommended in older patients, can we consider um, 
changing their therapy to sertraline or to something to something else. I think we have to remember that we don't have all the information about the patient's history, but we have quite a bit and we have information that the physicians don't have. And so we certainly see that patient every month. So, you know, it's very likely that these reports of side effects, the patient may not articulate to their physician when they see them once a year. There's probably other more pressing things. So there's there's so much value to the information that we gather from the patient at every opportunity, sharing that with the physician. And then when we're making a recommendation, we want to make sure it's very clear. I mean, to, to say something like, would you consider changing the medication to this? And if they say yes, I mean, they're really just saying, yes, I would consider it. They're not making making a change. And we didn't really gain anything by that. What I think is really great is to just, just say, can we initiate you know, this drug instead? Can we discontinue this and initiate this medication? And if the physician says yes, now we've got a new order. If the physician says no, oftentimes they'll say, no, because they failed this drug or no, because uh, it's being used for this indication. And then you just gathered more information than you that you didn't have prior to that uh, opportunity prior to that interaction with the patient. So either way, you're gaining more information about the patient. We just we need to make sure as pharmacists that we're doing something meaningful with that information that we're gathering back. So if the recommendation is not, appropriate at that time, is there a different therapy that could be um, recommended in place of? Um, and we just, it's, uh, we need to make sure that we're very clear, we're very concise, uh, we're keeping it to one page, um, but that your note can stand alone. And um, the physician can clearly understand this is why this pharmacist is recommending a change in therapy because the patient is doing, you know, is reporting these side effects, for example. No, I love that. And and I tell you, it makes my heart feel good to know that everything you just told me is that what I talked to you and taught you, <laughs> you know, 20 plus years ago. And I'm just like, wow, you know, this is, you know, you've come a long ways when you hear back what, what you've been preaching and teaching. Yeah. So, well, it, it's worked for us. It's been effective. Yeah, it has. It has. Kelly, my last question for you is, you know, as you know, I'm also working with CPSN USA and through the grant that we received from the Community Pharmacy Foundation. Uh, for Flip the Pharmacy, and our own sites, both um, our Iowa City site and also our Solon site, are part of the pharmacies in Iowa that are going through the Flip the Pharmacy. As we talk about the future of the profession, what impact do you see Flip the Pharmacy having on community pharmacy? Uh, gosh, uh, I I mean, the, it's going to be a ripple effect for sure. I think, you know, we're just starting out with uh, considering small changes. We're talking about making a change in the way that we're documenting and the frequency which was, with which we're documenting. We're talking about incorporating blood pressure checks. We're talking about training other staff to do those blood pressure checks. Um, we're talking about having follow-up appointments. So it's just continuing to build upon these services. And I think the long-term effects of that are going to be um, tremendous growth in our pharmacists in the way that they're able to manage some of these opportunities that are coming their way uh, and be able to efficiently and effectively document the care that's provided. 
Um, we're going to see tremendous growth in our support staff because now we're we're using these support staff in new ways. Perhaps that's to identify a patient that's picking up a blood pressure medication and inviting them over to do a blood pressure check. Perhaps that staff is even giving that blood pressure check and then bringing the pharmacist over to say, this is what their reading was today. And then creating that opportunity to have for the pharmacist to have that conversation with the patient. We're continuing to change patient expectations. So um, if, if a practice currently uh, wasn't doing any kind of enhanced patient care services or wasn't regularly checking blood pressure on their patients, now you're changing the patient expectation. Um, they might grow to expect that when I come in each month, the pharmacist is going to check my blood pressure. We're going to talk about what my goals are. Um, I didn't know what my goals were or that there even was a goal when we started this. And, you know, now, now I know that I do have a goal and that I, uh, this is why it's important. So we're changing patient expectation of the pharmacy, but we're uh, certainly changing patient understanding of their health goals, making them aware that they have goals, making them aware of the importance of achieving those goals. And I mean, as again, you have said, we want them to be um, informed about their own health care and so that they can make good choices and they can understand why it's important that they take their medication. Adherence is, you know, is such a a hot topic right now in pharmacy. And, you know, there's only so much I can do to ensure that my patients take their medications regularly. Um, but if the patient understands why it's important and they understand that it is working for them and that it's helping them live longer, live healthier, uh, they're more apt to be compliant. So it, it's just, it's such a ripple effect. The, the benefits of Flip the Pharmacy is going gonna, is gonna to see. I think we're also, um, by providing, you know, in our case, when those patients come in and they have their blood pressure checked, we're sending reports on to the physicians of what those blood pressure readings are. So we're continuing to um, further develop those relationships with the physicians. Um, in, so some of the work that we do is with some in, embedded pharmacists at um, a nearby hospital. And when each every time that those patients have an appointment with their specialty physician, uh, a med list is requested from our pharmacy as well as an adherence report. And then the patient goes for their appointment um, and we get some follow-up notes back about any changes. But what's interesting is sometimes those clinical pharmacists will write back to me and say, okay, I'm, you know, the physician won't see this patient again for six months. Can you check their blood pressure each time they come in and pick up their refills and then send me those so I can add them to the chart? To their, to their medical record here at the facility. And to me that, again, we're just changing the expectation that physician, those embedded pharmacists now recognize the care that we're able to provide in the community pharmacy setting, the relationship we have with those uh, patients and share information back. So again, I, you know, we don't know the whole story about a patient's history, but, but we certainly know a lot of information that the physician doesn't know. And there's so much value to just constantly sharing that information. Yeah, I always said that, you know, what we found from the, the benefits of that program that we're still doing beyond just the, pro, the pilot phase is that there's information we have that they don't have, but they have information that we don't have, right? Yeah. And yeah. so by sharing that information, we've been seeing that we've been able to optimize the patient's outcomes by just having that information that we can share together. Another benefit, because you talked about all these great things and the ripple effect that uh, Flip the Pharmacy can have, and you talked it 
from a perspective of you in the practice setting that you're in now times that you know by 500 plus pharmacies in this first cohort and our goal is that you know this information is is going to be publicly you know um, available through the flip the pharmacy webpage that we want to impact 5,000 pharmacies over the next you know five years now you take what this one pharmacy is doing and this one type of innovation that we've developed um, or part of a change package now times that by the number of pharmacies across the country now we've taken something that may have been a one-up or a certain practice or a certain area of a country was doing but now we're scaling it across the whole country and we all are providing these documentations through e-care plans where that information is being uploaded within a system so that it could be fed back not only to the pharmacies from a quality assurance perspective but also sharing that with payers um, or being a way to share information with other providers how exciting is that to see that you know we can demonstrate the type of outcomes and the type of interventions that pharmacists are making in a community setting across the board with thousands of pharmacies i think yeah. that's my most exciting part of flip the pharmacies to knowing that we're having these small changes having occurring over time within the practice but as an aggregate it's it's impressive to see the type of uh, overall impact we're having on, on patient outcomes so absolutely yeah i wholeheartedly wholeheartedly agree it's just yeah. it's very cool to be a part of it it is. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for um, being on the call today. And I want everybody to know that this was not a planned discussion. There was no questions that we threw at each other. And Kelly's actually at her home in Williamsburg. And I'm at my home in Iowa City before we both have to trek into uh, Towncrest Pharmacy. Um, and we purposely did not want to make this something where you know we, we, we knew what the questions were going to be because we felt like the value of this is just ad-libbing and off the cuff because I want people to know that this is what we live. This is what we do. And uh, so, Kelly, thank you very much for your time today. Yeah, thank you for having me be a part of this. All right. You have a good day. Yep. See you at work. <laughs> Bye-bye. The Thrive Subscribe Podcast is brought to you by Thrive Pharmacy Transformations. Visit us online at tptransformations.com where you can join our free community to inspire you, challenge you, and transform your pharmacy practice.